two party officials dead, the local party secretary and our own investigator. Look at the location. North of Vorkuta. That's beyond the Arctic Circle. Yes. In the heart of the Gulag, party officials are dying. Mysteriously. Doesn't that vet your curiosity, comrade? We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. Welcome to Straight Highways. I am Paul. And hey, guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation last week. Sorry, two weeks ago. I mean, I guess if you're listening to this back to back, it just it was minutes ago of, of need to know. I hope that um, uh, you did learn the name of God and you moved on uh, and you didn't do anything crazy like maybe smear what may or may not be poop on your on your walls. That's what we're hoping. Yeah, I mean, no one wants to clean that off the wall. No, so don't do, do do your wife or your children a favor. Don't smear poop on your walls yeah, don't do that don't, don't look around and be like you know what i i deem this place a denny's and then just go crazy don't do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah like or a please, walmart bathroom yeah, a waffle I, house you know, yeah, like, yeah so anyway that's a good class way to start this off welcome to straight travels everybody this is an anthology based podcast in which we talk about many different things mainly the twilight zone we've covered the original 60 series uh, the, the two seasons of the Paramount plus, well, it was there. I, I always say that go find it. Jordan Peele produced it. And now we're, um, in the very back half of the, of season one of uh, the eighties uh, iteration, uh, of the series. Uh, so we are now, uh, in season one, episode 21, segment B it's called red snow. Um, and, uh, I cannot wait to talk to Terry about this one. So this is going to be, this is going to be an interesting one. I think, um, <clears throat> viewing this with, need to know together is a pretty strong hour of television, which I can't always say is, uh, something that we've gotten from this, uh, version of the, the show so far. Yeah, very much. And I, I think that there are some interesting notes that I, uh, we could both bring to this mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, let's dive yeah. in, man. So, all right. So we'll get to who did what here. Um, I, I, um, I lost a bet, uh, backstage before we start recording. So I'll do the, the, the names here. Uh, you guys, you guys will find out why in a second. So cast and crew <laughs> here, uh, directed by Jana Zwark. This is first of two segments uh, that he will be directing. Um, is it Jeannot's work? Probably, probably Jeannot. Uh, during pre-production for Jaws 2, uh, production designer Joe Alves recommended him to be the director because of the collaboration that they did together on Night Gallery. So I did not know that the gentleman ended up in Jaws 2 because of Night Gallery. That's kind of cool. Not that Jaws 2 is anything to write home about, but that's, you know, hey, if you know people that recommend things, you know, you worked on Night Gallery and now you get the director Jaws movie. Yeah. So, and then, uh, the other note was, uh, he also directed, uh, Supergirl. So, yeah, well, the yeah, original then, film. Yeah. 
Uh, and then 1975's Bug, which I do remember watching that on like um, a USA like chiller theater or up all night type of thing. That that movie creeped me out when I was a kid. Uh, Somewhere in Time, which is the Christopher Reeve film that is based upon the Matheson book Bedtime Farewell. Um, and then Santa Claus the movie from the 80s, which I know Terry does not know and he should never watch, but I saw in the theater. Uh, Isn't and, that the Dudley Moore yes, film or whatever? Oh, no. um, yeah. Um, I might have to force people to watch that just so they can experience the trauma that I had. Um, and he was working until 2019, actually, and he's still with us. And so he's done a lot of TV work. So, you know, good on them to kind of, because yeah. I mean, Jaws 2 was panned, right? Because it's like, you know, it was just a cash in. But, you know, the, the money was there. You do the job. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to fault you for that. <clears throat> Yeah, and I am very interested in seeing the next episode or segment that we'll see from this gentleman too. So that should mm-hmm. be really, a, hopefully, an interesting discussion because not everybody who's done multiple segments uh, through the '80s version, or I guess for the original series either, have batted a, a you know a, a perfect uh, game. Yeah, <laughs> right. you know. Um, so uh, now we uh, our writer here is Michael uh, Cassett, which we've talked about previously. He did a. Uh, the the segment wish bank so the second of three uh segments um i don't know how much we talked about him previously because it was funny because i started taking a bunch of notes and i'm like oh shit we've talked about him already so i don't know if you have any notes from him uh about his uh output no i mean it, it was kind of recent that we talked talked mm-hmm. about him during wish bank so yeah if, if, if you're a little bit more interested in uh his career maybe go ahead and check out that episode and hey why not you know sure we right? we do we do all these episodes hopefully somebody's listening hopefully to them. <laughs> hopefully somebody other than ourselves as we're recording them right so all right yep. so uh, getting into cast here we have uh George Dzunza as Colonel Yulianov uh so he's our main character very recognizable face uh, he, his parents were forced into factory labor by the Nazis he spent the first few years of his life in a displaced persons camp with his parents as one brother so like, um, you know, him, you know, hard life growing up and then went on to do like a lot of, um, like character work. Uh, he was in Salem's lot, the 79 series. He was, uh, Cully Sawyer. He's the one that pulled the gun on, um, uh, what was it? Um, oh shit. What's his name? Fred. Um, the guy who's passed away recently. Uh, yeah, I, I can't recall his name, but he's the real estate man. Yes. Yeah. Movie. Um, so uh, yeah, it was, um, he's cause he's a comedian that we know. Well, well, we, we know him as doing a lot of funny things. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. He's, he pulled the gun on him. Um, oh, I looked this up. It's given me, um, the, the, the most recent Salem's lot. No, shut up internet. That's not what I meant by that. Um, let's see here. Was it Fred Ward? Is that his name? I, I think it is. Right. Um, who knows? Well, I, th- I thought Fred Ward was the guy from Tremors. Oh, you're, you're right. You're, you're... <laughs> <laughs> we did lose him too. Yeah. That's, so, uh, like, yeah. Uh, um, let's see here. Uh, it's going to bother me anyway. So as we go on, uh, to look at the, it was from 79. Let me find the people. Sorry, everybody. I should have, I should have put the notes down here. This is what's bothering me. I'm going to look searching, searching, searching. Um, the other two credits. Yes. Bring up Fred Willard, you. Fred, <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, processing Fred Willard. All right. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Uh, the other two credits <clears throat> I was going to bring up real quick is, uh, he was also, uh, well, our cast member, not Fred Willard, yeah. but, uh, uh, he was in deer hunter and also in basic instinct. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just a very recognizable face. Like you see him, you're like, I know that guy. Right. So, um, then a uh, next person we have here is Barry Miller <clears throat> as Ivan Poven, uh, Saturday Night fever and fame and the last temptation of Christ. Didn't have the biggest of careers, but those are some uh, pretty big films to mention. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, pretty much all I had on that okay. one. 
So then we have um, uh, Vladimir Skodomayarsky as Mayor Tidoff um, from 2010, The Roommate Contact and Fatal Attraction. I don't know if you have anything else for him as well. No, that's it. Uh, Victoria Tennant as Valentina Orlova. Uh, she was in an episode of the 80s, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, um, and she was married to Steve Martin from 86 to 94, um, and they were in uh, All of Me and L.A. Story together. Yeah, and she was also in Flowers in the Attic. Oh, okay. Ooh, yeah, that's a story. Um, yeah, don't don't eat cookies, people. Don't, don't don't eat cookies that from people that don't like you. That that's that's the lesson. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if they like you, meet. Okay, it's a 50-50 chance to eat them if you if the person likes you, but you know because you never they might just make bad cookies. But if they don't like you, don't eat the cookies. That's just, that's your lesson. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> leave it at that, right? Yeah. Uh, Rod Colbin is minister. Uh, this is the last thing he ever did. A fair amount of TV work. I don't know if you have anything for him. Uh, either in like episodes of Barney Miller and Three's Company, but popular shows of the era. Gotcha. Uh, Andrew Divoff is Vladimir. Uh, Neon Maniacs, which is a film that I've heard of a couple of times in passing. I heard it's a lot of fun. I've not seen it. Sounds like a very much a cult picture. And then also Mac and Me, a film I have seen, and I would not call it a cult classic. Well, I love that those are the credits you wanted to bring up for this gentleman, because I feel like he is amongst uh you know the horror icons uh tangentially I, I, yeah. I didn't go to page two so i had more notes but i forgot continue please uh, take the thunder okay. yeah so uh we have a stephen king connection here again he was in the uh adaptation of graveyard ship mm -hmm. and he was also in air force one but uh as far as uh genre stuff still he was in the Wishmaster movies he was he was the dinger the gin yeah, so I have him. These first two Wishmaster films. Divoff can speak eight languages, Spanish, Portuguese, Catalan, uh, French, Italian, English, German, and Russian. At one time, this is per the Wikipedia, it said he knew Romanian but forgot it through lack of use. Uh, his breakthrough came in 1990 when he was cast as the outlaw biker in another 48 hours. Um, so I thought that was cool. But here's the part that I just love <clears throat> that feels like it's kind of like it kind of ties in this a little bit, this, this story we're getting into. He was vacationing in Berlin when he received the call that he'd won the role. Uh, he went out to celebrate a nearby pub and then attended the tearing down of the Berlin wall, grabbing a sledgehammer and participating in the wall's destruction. How badass is that? He seems like such an interesting dude. I've seen a lot of different interviews with him and I'd love to have a beer with this guy. Just like really get to know him a little bit well, more. It's funny you mentioned beer because he developed his own craft beer called the Dijen's Hellebrew. Uh, which oh, hell sold, yeah. yeah, which he sold to benefit <laughs> charities, including Smile Train, Operation Provider, and Hollywood Police Ar Activities League. Not sure what all those are, but in 2017, he formed his own brewing company called Three Marm Brewing, as in a marm being part of a tree trunk that forks into two or more trunks. So dude's, uh, you know, uh, making beer, and he had one named after the Dijin, so I thought you'd appreciate that. Dude, Andrew, give me a call, dude. Let's hang out. Right. Seriously. You're I want to hear I, some stories about like, your listen, wish master. Like I have three wishes and all three of them are hang out with you. So, all right. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and drink your beer. And drink your beer. Uh, the hell of brew. Um, so uh, we have Lillian Adams as Babushka, uh, the 1960s Hour Limits and the film The Jerk with Steve Martin, but also, but like earlier than the ones we talked about. A lot of TV. Uh, she passed away in 2011, but it's interesting that one of the roles she had was an episode of It's Always Sunny from 2007, just because like, I know, was it like, it's, oh, was it the 14th or 15th seasons coming out like soon of that series? So it's just crazy to think that that show was still an active development. And we had a person that, you know, was in it in 2007. I don't know. It's just, I, it's weird how TV works. Right. But. That's what I have. Yeah, she had a lot of credits, too. Yeah. She was also in the movie Bruce Almighty. That was the other thing I wanted yeah. to bring up. 
Uh, so then we have uh, Jack Diamond as Krashinko, uh, 14 credits. Nothing really stood out for me for them, unless you have something um, for Jack Night. Diamond. Okay. I mean, other than an episode of uh, Nighthawk or uh, Streethawk. There you go. Nice. All right. Uh, Kimberly Ann Morris as Kalia, only credit. So we, we know her from such things as this. Uh, Mike uh, Kolskar as Kolikin Megaforce. Got to mention that. Um, Tom Mayer as Villager, 13 credits. Uh, one of those was Villager in this. And then as like I'm mentioning here, uh, David Ward as Frozen KGB officer, uncredited. He was an Iron Eagle. So I thought, I was like, well, you're an Iron Eagle. You got to get a mention. So that's who I have. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, no, no lines or anything. Nope. Did, the dude, like, they, they probably just took a, a picture of him or a scan of him and just put it under the ice. Like, <laughs> I don't know how they did that. I think they just put a paint of glass over him. Like, we're just going to pour some water for a little bit. I don't know. But, yeah, like, uh, yeah, that was funny. So that's your that's your cast and uh, who did what. So let's get into into uh, Season 1, Episode 21B, Red Snow, Terry. Where, where are we at? All right. So we're seeing, uh, like, a, a town area that's kind of busy. Uh, a lot of people were just walking around, and all of a sudden, this one dude—he's looking—he's looking kind of sketchy, and he's got some uh, uh, belongings. But he keeps on looking around like somebody's following him, and that's when he bumps into a lady and drops all their stuff between the two of them. But you could tell this dude's on edge because somebody's looking for him, and that's when he sees a car stop, and all of a sudden he's like, "All right, I gotta get the hell out of here." And that's when he, he pretty much runs right into the dude that's looking for him. Um, again, I, I, I he's so, the colonel. Yeah, the, our, it's our main character, uh, Yulianov. Um, so if you was calling Yuli, like, because these like this whole episode is like set in Russia, and it's a lot of Russian names. So some of these are like I like like I'm some kind of a pronouncer of words correctly, but uh, it's the KGB that he's running from, and he runs into to Yulianov. And, um, and he, and you could tell that this gentleman, they, they know each other because of previous run-ins. And he, so, uh, Yolanov's going through this gentleman's like, you know, items, it's all contraband, but then also like the, the, the citizen is like, and also is like a letter to my mother. Is that illegal? So then, uh, you know, the, the colonel was like, well, you know, we're going to, we're going to send you away, you know, cause you know, like you've done this multiple times. And, and then one of his, his compatriots is like, you know, you could shoot him. He's like, yeah, but also we're going to exile him. Uh, to the gulag, but there's a nice character beat there because uh, Yulinov, after the guy gets taken away, he looks at the letter and mails it to make sure that the letter to the mother still gets there. I think that's a good character beat for him. So you kind of see that like this guy isn't like he's, he's in a system, but he's not uh, like, he's not a monster, you know, like he's, he, there's a human being inside this person. Yeah. I, I, I thought maybe for a moment that he was going to throw it on the ground, but <laughs> I, I did like the, that he did, he mailed it. So it's like, all right, so this guy might have something to save, you know, like that there's something, there's still some like humanity left in him. Well, the fact also that he demurs from shooting him, even though it's within the right of the law to do so. Um, so then like we cut to him, <clears throat> excuse me, speaking to his superior, um, like, and then, you know, his superior's like, well, you know, this guy's committed this, like this crime multiple times. And like, you could have shot him. And then, uh, you know, like, yeah, but you know, that exile is also an option and that, you know, he could reflect on his time in the gulag and, and become a better person. And then it's like, um, so the leader's like, yeah, I don't know about all that. And he looks at the other guy to the right of him. He's like, go ahead and kill that guy. You know, but up, but up, bump, you know? So no matter what, uh, you off does, uh, our, our friend that we meet at the very beginning of the episode, we know he's dead. He was going to be dead soon. So even, even against his, uh, best efforts to try to save a life, it doesn't matter. 
yeah, he's signing the papers. He's done. And Vladimir, the uh, the other officer, is like he's a kiss ass. He's like undermining um, yeah. Yuli. Yeah, and he's just and, like he's like Yuli didn't Yuli didn't shoot him. Also, Yuli, his breast smells bad. Also, you know, like it's just like he keeps saying things like you know he's a doo doo head. He's a doo doo. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Like no, <laughs> he doesn't like he doesn't like the stay as much as I do. Like, you know. Well, he even lights the 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 guy's uh, cigarette and everything. Like this dude is like a straight up kiss ass. So yeah. he's out for his own. You know it. Which, I mean, that's kind of the the power structure, right? Is like, that's the whole thing too, is whenever this leader goes after, you know, after that happens, he's like, I got, I got a job for you, you know, yelling off. Um, he's like, you know, there's um, a case of like, was it an investigator and another local uh, person of the party that have died mysteriously in a town, like in the gulag in the North. Like, like well beyond it's into the Arctic circle. You know, I'm sure if there was a North pole, this is North, the North, North pole. I don't know. But, uh, he's like, you know, there's these deaths they are happening. You should go there and do it. And Yulianov's like, he's not so sure about this, but then you get this notion that his leader's like, yeah, you know what? You should go investigate this. And also it's like, you know, um, like basically he's like, you do your job. Well, you, your, your efficiency speaks for itself. However, you've never once tried to make any kind of alliances in the party or within the power structure. Like what kind of man are you? And you get the idea that his leader doesn't trust him. And it's like, Hey, we're going to like, you know, you think exile is such a good idea. What if you go figure this one out? So yeah, I, yeah. it's like, he's testing his metal a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I also felt within those lines that he's saying to him that he's kind of saying like, if, if you leave, no one cares about you too. Like yeah. that's what it felt like to me. It's almost like, he's like, well, we'll make it three. They're dead now. Right. Like it's fine by me. So yeah. So then we get uh Yuli heads North, um, North to like, you know, what was it like South to Alaska? I'm kidding. Um, you know, ends up in the middle of nowhere. Um, he gets met by uh Poven, uh, at the, at the train station or whatever at the town. And Yuli's like, well, what time is it? And, and, and Poven's like, uh, it's noon. And it's like, it's pitch black out. Right. This is so far north that they they don't have but was it they only have what like two or three like months of like light, like a considerable daylight. The rest of the time it's in darkness. Yeah. I I, I also find uh, something interesting about this. I'm not Russian. I don't I don't know very many Russian people. But does is it just the trope that uh us as uh, Americans write into storylines that everybody calls each other comrade? <laughs> that, like everybody's um, called comrade here there's even a point where a lady's called comrade so i'm like i don't like you're you're calling your superior comrade you're calling like these people i, I you, think it's part of like the party language you know because they're all supposed to like because it's the, it's the idea of like this you know united socialism so we're all brothers we're all like we're all comrades right okay because so. i'm just like i'm imagining in my mind it's like what do we know about Russian people? They love to say comrade. Yeah, uh, no, yes. you're probably yeah. you're you're probably closer to to right than what I'm saying. But it's like also you want to put some words in there that like oh this is definitely not America. You know, um, it would be I don't know I don't know what the, the, what the um, I don't know what the equivalent would be. It'd be like like uh, how how are we doing, buddy? Like I don't you know pal, pal. <laughs> <laughs> patriot friend. What, what is going on? You know, um, <laughs> um, so, uh, how, how is it going along fellow Eagle man? I don't know. Uh, so yeah, I also think like you're, they're guilty of like, Oh, we understand that they're speaking in accents, but we got to let the, everyone know that this is Russia. Right. So I think that's an eighties thing. I think you're right about that. 
Um, so, uh, whenever, um, <clears throat> uh, Poven takes him to like, basically let's, I, I, I think of it as like the slaughtered ba- lamb, like the slot. Yeah. That <laughs> fair enough. That's a good call. I was thinking more like, it's basically like the center of talents, the, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the town hall type of thing, whatever. It's the center of business, right? Uh, cause that's where everybody is and everybody's playing like music square or something like that. You yeah. Know? The watering hole really. Cause everybody, even the mayor is in this bar too. So I, I, I like that. There's music. It's, you know, it's, it's smoky. Everybody seem, seems to be getting along in there. So if, if the whole town is in this place, uh, I wouldn't be surprised because it's probably the warmest place in that town right now. For sure. Right. And that probably makes sense. So then whenever um, they show up and they're playing this music, um, yeah, yeah, Yulianoff was like, he makes a comment about the kind of music being played. And I'm not going to say it word for word because it's a little questionable. But he was like, he condemns them for playing this music that is of uh, Romani origin. I will just put it that way. Um, and he was like, you know, it's outlawed in Moscow. And everyone's just looking at him. And he was like, and I should remind you that the next time you're in Moscow to not play it. And everybody's like, oh, okay, he's cool with us for a second. Okay, we're okay with him. Like, <laughs> like he's officially telling people the rules, but also being like, you know, this isn't right, but you're not there. And I'm one versus like, you know, a hundred. You, okay. Yeah, it's a good way to break the ice with all these people. That I mean, show, one yeah. guy looks at him and spits on the floor. Too. Yeah, it's, it's like so obviously he's not in very good company right now. <laughs> so well, I would also imagine to, that, like, considering the like the other people that we have found out there have now are that are now dead, it makes me wonder how what their reaction was the first time they came to town. You know, like right. yeah. So because like when he walks through the door, it is one of those like kind of tropey kind of things, like. Uh, the stranger walks into the bar. The music stops. Everybody looks at him. Yeah, with like disdain. <laughs> so, yeah. So I mean, at least they accept him a little bit, right? But then, as he's about to go and and get into his room, and that's whenever uh, Tidoff is like, "Well, aren't you going to introduce me to this gentleman? Because like I'm the mayor of the town." And you know, so they talk for a second. Um, and then Tidoff's like, Hey, you know, there's nothing here to investigate. One man was torn apart by wolves. I'm like, okay, fair enough. You know, like what's the second thing we know about Russia, Terry, there's wolves. We know that, right? Like not yeah. a comrade wolf, like will tear you apart. Um, no one told him to beware the Moors. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing he's like, and the second one decided to kill himself by cutting his own throat, you know, as you do. You know, like there's nothing to investigate. Yeah. Those are, those are not two, um, weird ways to go out. Right. So then, um, you know, so Yulianov's like, well, you know what? I'm going to investigate that for myself. And he tells, well, as he tells, uh, Poven, he's like, you know, like, give me an hour. I'll, I'll meet me at the, at the office, the party office. We'll figure this out. And then while he's waiting for Poven to show up, he sees a lady outside of the office and he thinks he knows who this is. He, it looks very recognizable and he gets like a name from her. Um, but like, you know, he's like, I think I know you. She's like, no, you don't, whatever. And she has like a, like a kid and they, they rush off, uh, you know, like to be paid off later. Right. Um, so then that's whenever, um, we get, uh, some office work, we get some detective work where Yulanoff is like going through the files and trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. And I like that, uh, he's pushing Poven to get some other files and he's, and Poven's like, I don't like, what do you want me to do? And like, Yulanoff's like, where else are you going to go? You know, like fair enough. We're the, like, we're in nowhere. Like what else, what other pressing business do you have, sir? But right. Yeah. I mean, and there's no daylight. So it's like, yeah, I mean, you're going to go back to their, their, uh, their pub, I guess, and try to get warm. Cause 
They, I mean, they look miserable. Everything, Everybody in yeah. this looks miserable. <laughs> no, the set decoration in this too, and especially when we get to the cathedral later, like I, the only thing that frustrates me like about this is that it was shot on film and then converted to video. I wish I could have seen the film version of this, right? Like it, it the, the set decorations and the colors are like it. You feel cold watching this. You feel miserable. That's a good call. Yeah, and I actually I do like the choice of music throughout this uh, mm-hmm. this segment as well. I think it works really well for our play setting and like yeah, that, that hasn't always been um the 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 best in this season as well but you're right it's a good call for the music as well it's good and and yeah. there's definitely some moments of suspense that are being built up within the the the, the music so mm-hmm. um i think it was a good choice for this one yeah absolutely so we get we get um uh, with yulianov like he ends up finding the file for what he believes is the woman he's speaking to outside valentina and he, he looks at her, he's like, well, that's her. And Poven's like, nah, um, like, you know, cause like he, cause Yulioff looks at the file. He's like, oh, she was banished by, um, by Stalin 50 years ago. And he's like, that's like, they, she looks like she didn't age. And then Poven's like, well, that's, that's her daughter. And he's like, well, they have a lot in common then. You know, <laughs> like, I like, uh, he's like, well, if they're, if that's her daughter, they have a lot in common. It's like, yeah, they look identical. Um, so then as they're trying to investigate for things further, they say the one body, uh, where the wolves attacked were behind the old church. And that that's the next part of the investigation, um, which now that I'm thinking about this. It didn't occur to me until right this minute that, that uh, this, like it's interesting that this and the segment of need to know are both kind of procedurals. Um, I, you know what I mean? Like they're both bringing in outside parties to investigate something that doesn't make sense. I didn't think about that until right this moment. Right. And, and, I'm getting a, a really strong like Kolchak kind of vibe oh, yeah. from this too. Yeah, and now don't go. We'll get further into that too here in a second. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, they go behind the church. But he also sees the church too. He's like this, you know. He sees this thing. He's like this. Like this church is like 300 years old. It's like from the old, like the olden times or whatever. Um, about like the old, the old values, right? And and the, the locals are like, well, it's been closed up. It was a barn. And then, um, and what was it? Uh, Yuli's like, Hey, you know, if this place has been closed for years, why are there footprints coming in and out of it? Fair play. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like it's boarded up, but you see, you, it's like, I don't know how, how good of a liar can you be whenever you're in an area that's full of snow? And what's the one thing we know about snow? You can't hide anything. Like if you walk anywhere, people know where you went, you know, like, yeah, I, uh, uh, <laughs> the Torrance has found out about that in shining. So <laughs> it's like, where'd they go? I don't know. Maybe that way, you know, uh, unless somebody decided to put their shoes on backwards or something weird, you know, like to get goofy or put shoes on their hands. I don't know. But anyway, but he's like, yeah, why are there footprints? Um, so, um, as they're looking at, um, where the, the original, what was it when they, they, they go, well, actually, I'm sorry. They go and look at, um, where that body was found, but they find, um, they go to the guy that's in the ice first, right? They, that's the first right. person they inspect, they inspect is our gentleman, the uncredited person that, um, was under, under ice. And I like that. They're like, it's winter. Um, we don't, we can't bury bodies. So we're going to ice them up. And like, I like that he poured hot water on it so you can take a look. That's, it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool moment, right? It's a, I mean, no pun intended, but like, it's a unique way to do an autopsy whenever the thing it's like, you know, this thing's, you know, frozen, you know, more frozen than Walt Disney's head. Like, what do you do? 
And, and it, I mean, you can't really explain it away either. It's like, okay, well, there's a dead body here. You can't just keep it in the pub. So you may as well just put it out in, on the ice, you know, and just <laughs> like, let it freeze guys, over. Guys, you know? guys, we have a weekend in a bury situation for the next seven months. Uh, that's what's <laughs> <laughs> Don't play any music. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. We have a weekend at Bernie's 2 situation here. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so then um, uh, Yulianov keeps looking. He was like, this is this guy's neck? He's like, if that was cut, he's like, it was cut after he died because there's no blood. And everyone's like, nah, whatever, just shut up, stop looking, right? And that's when they hear the disturbance outside, right? And they hear something going on and they rush out, right? If I recall. Um, well, the, no, they, um, the next thing they do is they go to where the body. That's were sorry. Located. That's the church. I'm sorry. I'm getting this out of order. I apologize. So they look at the body they go to the church. He sees footprints going into the church. And yeah, that's when they're talking, and that's when they hear the commotion outside. That's right. Well, they also they also go to the spot where the second body was that's found, right. and there, there was like red snow there, hence the name of the episode. And um, but they can't. That body is not on site. That body was actually sent back down south, so they can't they can't do the investigation on that body. And that's when we hear some kind of like I mean, constantly through this uh, episode too, while they're in this Arctic circle area, we're hearing wolves constantly. So we know that they're out there. So every time that they're outside, you can hear them howling. And so the howling is getting closer and closer. And that's when we finally hear like a commotion, which sounds more like somebody's being attacked. It's like, Yuli's like, Hey, let's, let's go over. There's something's going on right now. Like maybe I can find this thing right in the middle of trying to, you know, kill somebody. So at least I have probably a little bit more evidence and also save the day. Mm -hmm. So like, it's interesting that like, they're like, Oh, that body's gone. It's like, but like it was torn to shreds, but you know, like why did you send that one South versus this other one? And again, like it's, you could tell that like they're throwing up these roadblocks. Right. And then that, and then with the, with this commotion, he runs over and um, this is a cool, cool segment. I like sequence. They talk about like what he runs into. Cause this is something that, um, I don't know if you get away with at this point in time on broadcast television. Yeah. So he breaks away fast enough that everybody's left behind him. And when he finally comes up, he can hear what sounds like a lady and also a wolf. But then when he looks and sees what actually has transpired, it's not the wolf that has attacked a person. The wolf has been just slayed by some woman, like this blonde haired woman who is out in the middle of the woods feasting on its neck <laughs> i mean there's blood on her chin and everything and she of course has to do that <laughs> like it looks like like a 70s like soft focus like it, it, if you would have told me that was a meatloaf album cover i would have believed you you know like something like that it would have been that's something about that but it's very like very quick and very so so she's staring directly at the camera it feels like i know this is like the 80s but it feels like very like 70s cinema Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Hammer style. Yeah, um, kind of like all of a sudden jarring uh, image of this lady with these fangs. I mean, they're fangs too, by the by the way. Um, so yeah, it's very like Hammer horror that's going on here. Maybe Dark Shadows type stuff. Yeah, but he reckon it's Valentina, the girl that he was talking, he saw earlier. But then he freaks out, rightfully so, and then he does the thing that we would all do: run away and directly uh, hit ourselves in the head with a tree branch and knock ourselves out. Yeah. Well. 
that's what his uh, the explanation is given to him that he runs into a low hanging tree branch, <laughs> but it definitely looks like somebody clobbered him in the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Like so, um, he wakes up, and then um, so then like so basically it becomes this is where it gets interesting because like uh, the Tidoff is there. He's like, hey, listen, like you know, we, you know, because Yulianov's like, well, why didn't like why am I alive? And we start figuring out like there's something else going on here. And he basically is like, listen, we've already had two deaths here from like from party members. What do you think would happen if there's a third? And, and, and Yuli's right where he's like, um, like there would be much more pressure from the state coming in, like an army to investigate. He's like, yeah, he's like, we, we would like you to, um, to leave and, uh, no harm, no foul. (laughs) You know, we all good. We good. Go. Um, so just don't tell anybody what's going on up here, but I think that's an interesting strategy because like they realize like if they keep killing, if people from the government keep showing up and dying, the, the government's going to get really interested in what's going on up here. And they're relying on one guy's word to come down there and explain it to them. So it's like, it's either they kill him and th- that's when, you know, all hell breaks loose or this one guy goes back and tells them all is good. Don't worry about it. What was on the death report is what happened. That I did my investigation. So they're just relying on this one dude either not coming back or coming back. Yeah. And so, um, but then, so, um, you know, Yuli's like, I, I know what I saw. And they're like, well, what, what do you think you saw? And he was basically like, you know, he goes into some explanation, some like folklore. Um, but basically he's like, you know, I saw the undead. I saw somebody drinking that wolf's blood. And like, he's pushing back against it. And Tidoff's like, oh, that's, that's crazy. He's like, no, I saw it. And he's like, and they keep going back and forth. And he's like, I think I want to investigate this church. Right. So then, um, he goes to the church, they open it up. Beautiful, uh, shot with all the candles and the way that thing looks, it is creepy, but also a really cool looking church. Yeah. Again, building a whole like, uh, hammer horror, mm-hmm. like very Gothic kind of like vibe here. Yeah. And that's when we see why well, probably like five or six different caskets that are sealed. And that's when he starts busting open these caskets to reveal if something's inside of them. And by the time that he gets to that last casket and pops it open, there's nothing in any one of them. But that's when he does the turn. And pretty much everybody in the town is there. <laughs> it seems like. <laughs> right. He turns around and it's like um, Valentina's there. And, and her, her people and everyone else. And it's like, what's going on? It's just like, uh, yeah. Um, sup, we're vampires. Um, you figured it out. Uh, congratulations. Uh, you should die now. <laughs> like that was the immediate, like Valentina's like, I want to eat them. And everyone's like, you shouldn't eat them. It's like, why? Well, that would cause problems. But yeah, like why he, they're, they're basically like, why would these coffins be occupied? It's dark for like eight months a year. Idiot. Yeah, and we also find out that Poban is a part of the group now, too. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this is he knew what was going on and he was just kind of disguising the fact that he's already been turned, but whatever. Like he he's one of them as well, and it was by choice. Yeah, so we learned that there's actually a balance that's been struck with the town that uh, the vampires and the townsfolk uh, live together. Um, the, the townsfolk give their blood uh, and protect um, the, the vampires during the summer, the, the limited summer they have where there is sunlight out. And then um, in the winter, uh, the vampires will protect them during the, like to the harsh conditions against the wolves and everything else. 
So they, they found a way to make it work where each side protects each other because there's a benefit to saving the other, which is, I, um, uh, I will put this way. When I first watched the segment, I didn't see that coming. I thought that was really cool. I didn't see that coming either, but, uh, there was some, you know, things that felt very reminiscent of watching 30 days a night. Um, I, this was, mm-hmm. this came out prior to that, but nonetheless, I think maybe the inspiration came from something like this, but I thought maybe that since the top, to- the town is in the polar circle that somehow time has escaped these people, you know, like uh, there was an episode that we watched more recently where there was the town that was forgotten about by death. So yeah, everybody yeah. seemed to live for like another 150 years. I thought we were going that route again. No, that's fair. Um, and I, and when you mentioned 30 days a night, which is you know appropriate, I just, that one seemed more like they're like, Hey, what if we just had this crazy orgy of violence? Cause we're vampires and we can go North as opposed to, you know, like we're, cause the people, the, the vampires, like you find out they've been driven, um, further and further East because they, they were originally Romani and they were, you know, um, you know, these, you know, the, the, they, they kept getting like persecuted and they eventually, you know, were after the war were pushed this far and it's like, they were tired of running and they were like tired of being hunted. So like, why not try to find like a balance and find a home, which I think is a very nuanced idea, especially like for this time in terms of like a, a, a television script, you know, like, and well, I mean, maybe not nuance is the right thing. I think the twilight zone is a place for nuance. I just, I, it hasn't always been shown to me of this iteration of the twilight zone, that nuance is there. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of few and far between, Yeah, but I, I, I did like uh, how they have this kind of a uh, camaraderie that's built between them and the agreement. But with all that explained now, like, Yoli knows the whole spiel. And um, what is our female? Uh, uh, Valentina. Yeah. Valentina is, she's still like dead set. I want to take this dude out. Like, let's feast on him. Let's, let's do it. You know? Yeah. And uh, that's when, uh, you know, the mayor is like, no, we can't do that. We gotta, we gotta send the dude back because I already explained the thing. He's got to go back. Otherwise we're going to have some real concerns here. Yeah. So then they haul ass out and they're running through the woods. And what happens is like, uh, uh, Yulinov and, and Titov get separated from the crowd cause they're trying to get away. But then the wolves attack and, and one attacks, uh, Titov and, uh, you know, Yulinov sticks around to try to try to help him. And like the townsfolk go to, to Titov. And it's like, basically like he was like the one guy standing between, um, you know, between the town on the vampires and Yulinov and, um, you know, he, you know, he was like, I always expected to die by a wolf or whatever he said. Right. But then after that happened, Valentina kind of backs off a little bit to be like, cause Yuli's like, what are you going to do now? Like you got, you know, here's your decision. You know, what's going to happen. And she, she softens up, right. But she also pivots to being like, you know, basically like, are you sick of the system? And he, you know, he goes in this whole thing too. Um, you know, about how Yulinov's talking about how he thought he could, you know, work in the system and kind of fight against the system, fight against like, you know, the, the communist party and the power structure and, and affect change. But he's like, it doesn't matter what I do. They always win. And she's like, yeah, but what if I can give you a weapon? He's like, I'm too old. She's like, "Ah, I don't know about that. What if I give you a weapon to actually affect change? And he considers it. Yeah. And that's, um, we kind of get a, I guess it would be a commercial break or whatever. We come back and 
uh, Yuli is back in his commanding officer's uh, uh, study or, mm. or his office. And Yuli's trying to tell him, he's like, yeah, everything's good up there, man. Now we got like uh, somebody that we can contact at any point and they can give us intel about what's going on up there. Yeah. There's no concern. Like Poven was listed as the new mayor. They threw Titoff under the bus. They basically made it look like he was the one responsible for the murders. Um, in, in hindsight, I'm sure Titoff would have like accepted that fate, you know, it, you know, knowing that his death would at least went towards something, but his character got smeared completely, but it was to save the town and Poven's now the leader and he's a party member. Right. So they're not going to think about it too much. Right. And, uh, that's when, you know, it's like his commanding officer is like, all right, so well, we're in good shape. He's like, ah, you, you, you did a great job, Yuli. I wish we could have more people like you. <laughs> and that's when he walks out of the room. And it is a perfect ending to this because it's when we get a still of Yuli smiling with his new vampire teeth. <laughs> yes. It's such it's again, you mentioned like hammer or like, you know, seventies horror. It's like, Oh, that's your, that's your fade to black moment. Right. Like, you know, that's your, that's your Dracula. That's your, you know, um, comrade Dracula. That's the movie coming next comrade <laughs> Dracula. Uh, but yeah, that's red snow. Um, yeah, this was, this was a cool little segment, right? Like, um, I, I dug it. Um, again, I, not, it's not that it's completely off the beaten path of the Twilight Zone, but it's like, I like that they're exploring. I mean, it, this is the mid 80s. This is, um, you know, during uh, our big, like, Red Scare, our big panic as our country, uh, the Cold War, right? So to see this being written, which is showing um, even like, there's always been this thing that I'm always kind of interested in where we show like, um, the Russian people as being noble, but then saying that like the people that run them are the, the, the bastards. Right. Um, and, and I think that's fair. I mean, you could say that if like, you know, Hey, what country are you from? Oh, you, like just because you're a person of a country doesn't mean that you're representative of the government running that country. Like I get that. Right. Cause like even years ago, people would always said like, if you're going to travel overseas, put a Canadian flag on your backpack. So people think you're Canadian, not American. You'll be treated nicer. I wonder why. You know, so, um, so yeah, I get that. And with this, it's like, it's showing that there is like, you know, communist Russia, but even like someone like Yulianov who questions it, like, I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting thing where it's like, oh wait, there's, pe there's people with real feelings over there too. I think that's kind of a bold move for this, for when this aired. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting and in how it's structured and that. And uh, I, I think they did a great job of balancing, um, the heartfelt moments with some of the, I guess, really the brutality that's going on in this too, because it, it this is a, a approximately half an hour segment. And I, I think that it was uh perfectly balanced. Like I said, it, I, I think there was some real, there was a really good story in this and they didn't rush certain parts. I, it, it kind of, the only a criticism I would have is kind of like what you were talking about earlier. It's not the, the, the most crisp looking, if we could have like the original film of these episodes, like pretty much all of them, there's like a, a, a lot of them it, it, with it being so dark mm -hmm. detail is kind of lost in that too. It's, it makes me wish that these were shot on black and white, you know, like how, how much more awesome would this been? Like that would have felt very much appropriate, you know, like, yeah. 
But yeah, it's just, I mean, that's going to be the problem we're going to run with the series throughout is that the transfer from film to video is going to be a problem. And also there are some mistake choices that as we've talked about previously, that they've made consciously for the show to make it stand out being different than the rest of broadcast television at the time, which I'm in favor of, but I don't know if that has aged as well as they hoped it would. That's fair. That's a very fair way to assess that. And I I think, um, you know, the stories have to speak for themselves at this point. And I actually think that this entire episode, the two, the two segments together, uh, would have been a very satisfying episode of the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Being a, an original viewer in that. So, yeah, I just think that, like, it would have been a, a fun night of television. And again, like, very, very good, strong bookends. I, and I, like, I, like I said, I didn't even realize until we started talking that these are both, like, investigate, like, they're both procedural pieces. And they work really well. And I know that probably wasn't planned. But congratulations, Twilight Zone. You did have a solid hour of television. So kudos to you. Um, you know, uh, thumbs up. For both comrade uh, comrade. Yeah. Right. So any other, any other notes you have for this before we get to the twist? No, that's pretty much all I had. Right, we're going to rate that twist. Uh, twist rating as always is one through five, one meaning we saw from a mile away and five meaning mind blowing. And I, I will be honest that I, when you saw the title was called red snow and you're like, Oh shit. Like, Oh, he's going North vampires. Like that, that didn't surprise me, but the idea that there's like this certain balance and ecology going on, that really surprised me. So I'm going to give that a five. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a four. I knew there were probably was going to be some kind of a, uh, some hard edged, like uh, maybe horror or sci-fi that was going to be here. Cause I mean, that's what we're here for for the most part. But the idea that it was going to be vampires, uh, I didn't see that one coming. So I, I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by this segment. Yeah, so there we go. So that's going to do it for our thoughts about Red Snow. Before we talk about what we're doing next, uh, you guys can find us on Facebook at Strange Highways. You can email us directly at strangehighwayspodcast.gmail.com. Uh, you know, let us know your thoughts, feelings about Red Snow, uh, Twilight Zone, uh, if you have recommendations coming up the next like month or so, because we're, we're almost at the end of this first season. It's been a year and a half. Um, the way we've been doing, it's been spaced out kind of odd, but, but whatever it's been, it's been a fun, it's been an enjoyable conversation, maybe not always fun, but I've always enjoyed the conversation with Terry. Um, so you give us some suggestions cause I think we're going to probably take a, a, um, probably a lengthy pause after the first season just to kind of, you know, you know, I don't know, make us miss it. <laughs> Before we go, you know what I mean? Like, just be like, oh, I can't wait to get back to Twilight Zone. I don't, I'm not feeling that right now. No, no offense, everybody. I'm glad that you're joining us, right? But this has been, this has been a bit. It's been a bit of a bit of a whole thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we also have to gather our collective notes on how we feel about the season. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ, yeah, that's going to be like a marathon because we're going to get through. All, like, I will rate all 70 segments in order. No, I, I'm kidding. I won't do that. Or will I? But, yeah, uh, just let us know your thoughts, feelings there. Wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us would be greatly appreciated. Um, the more the merrier, uh, the more people will be bringing to this. I know we're in an odd stretch of Twilight Zone, but that's just, you know, we've talked about everything else already. So where do you go, right? So, um, yeah, but if you enjoy this conversation, let other people know. And, Terry, where can people find us otherwise? Uh, we're on Instagram as well, folks. Uh, it's been a little bit of time since I've had to update the site, but um, we're still here. We're still trying to do the social media stuff, kind of fit it in between our hectic lives. Uh, but yeah, we're that on there. And, you know, it's it's one of these things that like we can't 
really spread the word enough. If you tell a friend or if you share this podcast on like something like, I don't know, uh, Spotify, which we're on there, um, we'd appreciate it because it's like, it's, we, we're relying on you. We need mm-hmm. you. You know, no one's going to find us just randomly while they're walking down the street. They need <laughs> you to talk to. That's true. I mean, I, I mean, and also this is, uh, you know, maybe some like inside baseball. Like I, I just, it's really awkward to be like, Hey, I have a podcast. Listen to it. It's like, I, I don't want to go like door to door. I don't want to like Jehovah's witness this shit, you know, but you know, like, but if you like it, if you enjoy it, um, you know, let people know, right? Cause I mean, the podcast space is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's so much other shows out there. There's a lot of great shows out there. Um, oh, yeah. for party rotation, we greatly appreciate it and let other people know. So, all right. Um, let's talk about what we're doing next. And now, Mr. Surly. Next episode is season one, episode 22, segment A. Take my life, please. Um, I'm going to say this right now to everybody. Please uh, try to find this segment. Um, I'm sure because a lot of the things we've been finding out is like you can Google it and you can find it. People are uploading the stuff to YouTube and like uh, Vimeo and things. Uh, watch this segment. It's probably like 12 minutes, I think, something like that. It's, it's this episode we're coming into. It's like a three-parter. I think it's three separate stories. Um, watch it. The, 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 the less, you know, the better get past like the first two minutes. I cannot wait to talk to Terry about this one. This is going to be a, a, um, a interesting discussion. So, yeah, I don't know anything about yeah. it and from the title. It sounds like a comedy episode. But it does, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm just going to say like, uh, yeah, uh, people, please, uh, please find this one. Like, um, if, if you've been just listening, but not watching the segments, I get that sometimes it shows that I listen to too, where we, I don't always engage with the media. This is one you need to watch blind. Please do so. Right. So that's going to be next week. So, um, that's going to do it for this week. Everybody have a good week. Uh, have a safe week. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I got, don't get attacked by wolves. I guess that's a, I, I think that's a good, that's a good thing to say. Don't get attacked by wolves. Don't go out where wolves are. Cause then wolves won't attack you. Yeah. Beware the Siberian wars. Welcome to our humble community. We offer you the traditional bread and salt and all the charms of the Siberian winter. <laughs>